Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. Um, but I want to quickly do my best to recap the last four messages. Can we do that? Is that going to be impossible? If, if I go past 10 minutes, Star, just yell at me, stop. Okay, thank you, because I will keep talking. So we are in the series called As In the Days of Noah, which really is just a series about the return of Christ. Um, most people talk about the return of Christ in a bunch of different ways. I have a very different view of it just because I like to read what Jesus said about his return. Jesus gave us some pretty clear information about his return. And one thing that I think we've established is that no one really has all the pieces put together. There's no way for one person to really understand it all. Because as we're going to read in Matthew 24, no one knows the day or the hour. It's just not something that God has revealed to men. But what he did do is he say a few things have to happen first. So in Matthew 24, 36, it says this, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the son of man be. So in, in a large part, even though there will be a lot of chaos going on. In a large part, people are going to move forward like everything's fine. They're going to act as if everything is good. They're going to act as if no worries have come upon them. Meanwhile, someone's building a boat to get out of here, right? And it's very odd. So as in the days of Noah, what does this mean? Does it really apply for today? We learned this term. And you should really learn this term. The, the term is eschatology, which just simply means a study of the end. Every single one of us has an eschatological view. We all have a way that we look at uh, how things are going to end up. And you may think, why is this important? Well, we've been talking about this. I was talking with Rick earlier. Since we were children, we were hearing that never has there been a day before today that Jesus could come back. You know, like every generation hears that, but not every generation experiences what we're experiencing. What we're experiencing right now is the convergence, which where we're seeing all the signs coming together kind of at the same time, which tells us that something is changing. Not that he can come back tomorrow, but that things are getting prepared for that. And so there were seven things that we're talking about. We've already been through four. Earthly signs, heavenly signs, spiritual signs, technological signs, political signs, archaeological signs, and economic signs. In week one, we talked about the earth and earthly signs, how the earth is groaning. Jesus talked about how the earth will groan for its creator. It will groan for the coming of the Son of Man. We talked about the, I don't know if you've noticed, any of y'all seen the Mississippi River? Like the first one we did was on the earthly signs, and now the Mississippi River is drying up. I don't know if you've seen that. Just go check out some news clips. They're standing under boats that have been sunk in there for hundreds of years. And they're standing under the ships that are on the banks that normally are like, you know, midway through the water. They're standing under them looking up. The Mississippi River in Baton Rouge, Louisiana is almost dry. Which is crazy because that's a problem. It's a problem because the Mississippi channels about $12 billion in industry every year for food, materials, supplies to companies, businesses. And if the ships stop moving, it's a problem. Well, guess what? They're getting stuck in the muddy water because it's too low. This is happening all over the world. We talked about that. I'm not going to go into that again. But if you go back and listen to that message, you'll see that it, that is not just an American thing. That is happening all over the world right now. The problem is the scientists relate this to global warming when Jesus said it's the beginning of sorrows. That's what he said. He said, this is just the beginning of sorrows. We're in the middle of the beginning of sorrows. And so the question is, when we start seeing these things happen, it's a warning to get your heart right with God. That's what it is for. Remember, the earth belongs to the Lord. We have no control over it. 
The earth is going to do what it's going to do because God said so. And so when he does something in the earth, it's a warning to us to make sure our heart is right with God. Jesus didn't do these things to scare us, but rather to inspire us to choose him. In Genesis 6, it never rained before. It had never flooded before. And they weren't paying attention to what God was doing through Noah. And that was the picture of the church. That even though we've been told all our lives, Jesus is coming, we're not paying attention because we don't believe it. And here we are going through some crazy stuff. In week two, we talked about technological signs. We talked about what was going on in Noah's day and how industries were being formed, cities were being built for the first time. First time you saw musical instruments, first time you saw people doing uh, cattle ranching, all these things, uh, iron smelting, blacksmithing. And it was a new age of construction, ranching, musical instrument building, and blacksmithing. These are called technological advancements and the origin of new industries. That's what was going on in Noah's day. And in our day, that's exactly what's happening. We talked about these different companies called CRISPR, who's trying to edit and, and modify our DNA. You can go to their website and check it out. Neuralink, one of Elon Musk's companies where they want to put a chip in someone's brain to control interface with artificial intelligence. But then someone beat him to it called uh, Synchron, who actually has a human right now in human trials doing this exact thing. That is new industry technological advancements. Then we see Boston Dynamics, who are responsible for building uh, drones, uh, AI drones that can pretty much do a Ninja Warrior course much better than a human, much faster. And then we talked about the Chinese fighter jets that they've been putting artificial intelligence into. And now these fighter jets can fly faster, more proficient, uh, more precise, and then they're not using human life to fight, but instead they're using computers to fight each other. It's pretty wild. It's Terminator-type stuff. It's crazy. All of those things are happening as we speak. All of those things are legitimately real. Uh, this is not some sort of crazy conspiracy stuff. It's real. You can go to their specific website and check it out. We talked about how that related to the the enemy and what he's going to do. And according to Revelation 13, the unholy trinity appears. You see the dragon, which is the devil, the first beast, which is the Antichrist, the second beast, which is the false prophet. And they make an image and they give the image life. Now, we know that only God can give life, right? Only God can breathe into something and give it life. So how did they give it life? Of course, that was when I kind of gave you my thoughts on it and how it probably is technological, probably has to do with something with artificial intelligence. It's probably something that John didn't quite understand when he wrote it, but he saw that it was talking, walking, breathing in some way, shape, or form, and he said it had life. In Revelation 14, we see that even on the very last day, even when the world is about to be destroyed, God still sends three angels to preach all over the earth to try and rescue even the ones that rejected him up until that last day. They see that everything's falling apart. If you go read Revelation 14, you'll see it. They can tell that the world is ending and they will still reject him. But nevertheless, he is still going to send angels to preach, to try and pull people into him because that's how good God is. Amen. In week three, we talked about heavenly signs, which was my favorite which was how the angels did what they did with the women and created this race of giants. And we talked about how this wasn't some metaphor. This was a real thing. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about putting on the whole armor of God because God gave us the authority to fight against the devil. God gave us the authority to crush his plans. God gave us the authority to combat the wickedness we deal daily with the spiritual realm. But those things are unseen. And so we have to put on the spiritual armor God gives us. Why did the, the angels do this? Why did the fallen ones do this? Because they knew the prophecy that if they didn't corrupt the race, then eventually from humanity, one would come named Jesus to judge them one day. And so they attempted this. They attempted it again. And all of this matters because what we deal with today is the remnants of those fallen angels. 
We learned how the ones that tried to corrupt the bloodline of humanity were judged. They've been in chains, right? Jesus put them in chains, in prison. And when he died and he was in the tomb for three days, he went to go preach to those angels. The rest of the fallen angels are the demons we face today. The things that we struggle with. The thoughts that come into your head. Those dreams that you have at night, you don't know why you're having them. Those, that's spiritual warfare, people. It's spiritual warfare. And we have to learn that every day we put on the armor of God because the darts, the arrows, the attempts of the enemy will come. We also learn that Jesus was identified first by a demon. They knew who he was. We also learn that Jesus declared his lordship to the devil first. Before he declared it to humanity, he declared it to the devil because he was putting them on notice. I'm here. When Noah walked with God, he walked hand in hand. And in the last days, there will be a people that will walk with God hand in hand. They will be obedient. They will find favor with God like Noah found favor with the Lord. Unfortunately, in our day, the disregard for all things holy will increase in our generation. And I shared this with you. What does that say about you? What does it say about you as a parent? What does it say about you as a leader that God would choose you to raise children in this generation, that God would choose us to lead his church in this generation. What does it say about us that he would trust us in this day and age? Like you look around, you see how things are just wild and you wonder, how do we fix this? Well, the reality is we don't. We have to rescue people. We have to preach the truth and nothing less. It is the greatest compliment that we could ever receive that God would choose us for this time to serve. Amen. In Matthew 10, 1, he said, and when he had called his disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. Here's the thing. When people start acting funny, people run. Because they don't know they have the power. When people get sick, we say things like, I'll be praying for you. Instead of actually praying for them. Because we don't know we don't have the power. We do. We have it. Jesus gave it freely. And in the coming weeks, we're going we're gonna to start a series in a, few, in a few weeks here called The Gift Giver. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited about it. You're going to learn about this power. In week four, we talked about archaeological signs. This one was fun, right? We saw the different archaeological places all over the world that look very similar, which the Bible calls the high places. If you go and you look at Scripture and what God told Josiah to do, he said, tear down the high places, tear down those high points, because they were altars of worship to other gods. We talked about in Genesis, Genesis eleven nineteen the Tower of Babel. What were they trying to do? They were trying to build a tower to reach the heavens, to reach the stars, right? And God said, no, 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 we're not doing that. He messed it all up. He scattered people on purpose. He gave them different languages. That's how people got all over the world, and they tried to replicate the same thing all over the world. We saw the pyramids of Giza, the pyramid in Doshar, the, the, the pyramid of Kafra, the Tetiwakan Mexican Pyramid of the Sun. You remember that one? The Nubian Pyramids, the Ziggurat in Ur, the Pyramid in Italy and Rome. It's crazy. It's just right there in a the street. We saw that massive temple in Colossa that was built right from the ground. They just carved it out of one big rock. It was insane. We saw Petra, which is the place David ran to when he was running from Saul. Petra was carved out of the side of a wall rock. It was incredible. Uh, Gobekli Tempe, which is another interesting one when it was all aligns with stars, which how did they know to do heads in Mexico that look like African warriors, but they're in Mexico. Like, how did that happen? They're too big to move, too big to, 
throw around. I mean, there's no way they shipped them there. They were built there. That means they saw those men somewhere. Then we talked about LIDAR, right, which is the uh, laser infrared detection something something. I can't remember everything. And what they do is they throw a big laser out, and they can see past trees, and they have found 60,000 structures in the Amazon rainforest that they believe is a whole city that was lost. And 20 million people probably live there. And they're, they're trying to figure out where did the people go? Where are their bones? Where's their pottery? Where are their houses? We see the temples. Where are they? It's very strange. We talked about the Bible reference in Exodus where Pharaoh gave the Israelites a quota of how many bricks they were supposed to build. Like their job for 400 years was to make bricks. What are they doing? Well, they're building and they used the labor of the Israelites to do it. So why did this all matter? All of this mattered because each of these buildings and their structures had a purpose and their purpose was worship. Worship of other gods. Worship of other spirits, fallen angels for all we know. These guys that walked around doing what they did, they probably disguised themselves in all different ways and we saw those hieroglyphics and they all had the same bag. Like, where did you get that merch, man? I don't understand. Like they all walked around with this same thing and every hieroglyphic from all over the world. How does this even connect? It's bizarre to me. It's absolutely bizarre, but they all see this, this godlike figure handing out a bag to someone. What is that? They were all built in a certain manner with the same similarities. They were temples. All of these pyramids and high places and ruins that you see all over the world are temples. They are temples. Who were they worshiping and why were they worshiping? And then we see what God was doing with Israel. And what was God asking them to build? A temple. He had Solomon build a temple. And it's been torn down several times and rebuilt several times and torn down again. And guess what? Before Jesus comes back, it has to be rebuilt one final time. God is into building things too. In Matthew 24, 15, it says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. The return of Christ is relegated to the final building of the temple where the Antichrist will sit and declare himself to be God. In order for that to happen, in order for the Antichrist to appear, they first have to build the temple. This is why Israel is always in war with someone, whether it be Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Lebanon, all these places around them, because they're all fighting for this one site. They're all fighting for the place where the Temple of Solomon is. That's what they're fighting for. They're all fighting for the right to build their holy place on that place, on that spot. In Revelation 21, it talks about how God is right now, as we speak, building a new Jerusalem. Remember what Jesus said. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. You all think that somehow Jesus is up there making a mansion that looks just like the way you want. <laughs> That's what we're taught as kids, right? I can't wait till I get my mansion with my pool and a bucket of tacos. Like, that's what we think. But the Bible describes how the new Jerusalem will look. It's going to be massive. 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles by 250 miles straight up. It's pretty, pretty spectacular. A new Jerusalem. All the water will be gone, the Bible says. There will be no sun, no moon, the Bible says. Why? Because the Lord is the light, he said. He said, there's going to be no temple in the New Jerusalem. Why? Because the Lord will be our temple, it said. It's absolutely astonishing. Did I do that in 10 minutes? 
No, you should have stopped me. So today, 20, man, I talked too much. I tried. I promise you I tried. Today, we're going to talk about spiritual signs. And this one is, this is important. The other stuff is kind of fun. It's interesting. It's good information. It kind of clears up stuff. But this one right here, I think, is probably the most relative for us today. I don't think it, it takes much to connect the dots on this one. We're going to talk about spiritual signs. What do I, what do I mean about spiritual signs? You know, the Bible talks very clearly, and we're going to read it in a minute, how in the last days... You will know you're in the last days because there will be two things that happen. Number one, a great falling away. It's called the apostasy or the apostate church where people begin to fall away. The other thing that happens is people become lukewarm towards God. So here's, here's what we're getting into. The first thing we need to talk about is this whole idea of deconstruction. Have y'all heard this? Have y'all seen this? Everybody's deconstructing their faith. They're deconstructing their belief system. They're deconstructing their relationship with God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, if you've ever dealt with this, if you've ever questioned. But to me, if you've been saved long enough, you've questioned God at some point. You've doubted God at some point. You've gone through something at some point where it made you go, I don't know if God's with me, right? Because if you haven't gone through that yet, eventually you will. And your faith will get tested. That's for certain. Everyone's faith is tested. You go through the entire scripture and you will see man of God after man of God, woman of God after woman of God getting tested in their faith. Why do you need to be tested in your faith? Well, we read it at the beginning of the last series. When we go through trials, we need to learn to rejoice because it's through the trials that our faith and our salvation is strengthened. You need the problems. You need the testing. You need the hard days. If you run from the hard days, you're destined to repeat it. Because if you don't face it head on and let God deal with you and where he needs to deal with you, you will constantly repeat that cycle until it either kills you or you finally give up. You need those hard days because it will build you. It will create endurance in you, the scripture says. And unfortunately, what we have in America is a bunch of weaklings. (laughs) We have a lot of people who want a faith that's easy. We have a lot of people who want a Christianity that is soft and easy and smooth and no bumpy rides. We want the Jesus that gives us everything we want and need, and we never have problems. Well, guess what? That's not faith. That is the opposite of faith. You know what deconstruction is? Let me tell you what deconstruction is, because in case you don't know, deconstruction is, simply put, a phenomenon within American evangelicalism in which Christians rethink their faith and they previously held beliefs and sometimes to the point where they no longer identify as Christians. Here's the thing about deconstruction. It's only happening in America. That's what I found out. It's only happening here. Deconstruction is not happening in the Middle East. The opposite is happening in the Middle East. People are getting saved in the Middle East and coming to know Jesus. We have friends right now in Kenya who are reaching hundreds of people in a little shack getting saved because they're hungry for God. In America, we're going, I don't like how Jesus said that. Did he really mean that? He must not have meant it that way. What do you mean, let the dead bury the dead? That is rude. And we have this idea 
that somehow Christianity equates to soft men. And there was nothing soft about Jesus. Oh, don't get me started on that mess. Let me stick to the message. Let me stick to the message. Deconstruction has become its own form of religion. Where do we find that in scripture? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You ready? Let's pray first. Because I need that. I, when I pray on Sunday mornings before I, start, before I start talking, it's for me. Just letting you know. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Lord, speak to us. Help us. Reveal yourself to us. Let it be your words, not my voice. Let us hear you clearly in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Second Thessalonians chapter two, it says this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He's telling them, stay strong in your faith. Don't be shaken easily. Quit getting tossed around by every opinion and every thought and every post and every letter. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Understand this, you're waiting for Jesus to come, it's kind of a sad deal because that means a lot of people are going to fall away first. And the man of sin is revealed. There's two things that have to happen there. Falling away has to happen and the man of sin has to be revealed. Who's the man of sin? The Antichrist. The son of perdition. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So understand this. Christians will be here to God, sitting Antichrist appear and claim he is God, sitting in the temple of God. The temple that has not been built yet. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Oh, I love that. But that's another scripture. Uh, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers. Check it out. Signs and lying wonders. Understand this. When the Antichrist shows up, he comes with counterfeit powers, signs, and wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Why do people fall away? Because they don't love the truth. They love comfort. And truth is uncomfortable. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure and unrighteousness. Have you ever wondered why some people are lost to the point where you realize, man, there's no, there, there's nothing that left in their mind. Like their brain is empty. Like what is happening? How have they lost their mind this bad? Because when they were confronted with the truth, they hated it and instead loved the lie. And delusion came. People are literally in delusion in our day. Are they not? Are they not confused on basic biology? Are they not confused on basic math now? It's like, what is this? What is that? What are we teaching? They're erasing our history. We have 
somehow inherited a generational drift away from Scripture because people are delusional. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren be beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Look at your neighbor say, stand fast. No, y'all got to do that a little better. We want to get a little loud in here. Say, stand fast. And hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Oof. He's trying to tell the people in Thessalonica, he's not here yet. He's not coming yet. Stuff has to happen. And every time they build the temple, it gets destroyed. There's a reason for that. Because they know what will happen when the temple gets built and it stays built. See, even the world, man, they see the Bible and they somewhat still believe it. Because they're acting in ways to counteract it. Isn't that wild? They act in ways that are actually trying to, to, to fight off what the Bible's predicting will happen. You're not going to stop God. I don't care what you create and think up. You're just not going to stop him. So that's the first thing that has to happen. The first thing that has to happen is the great falling away has to happen. And we find this idea of being lukewarm. What does it mean? To be lukewarm. I don't know, man, but I have been saved since 2002. It's 20 years. I'm getting old. I've been saved since 2002. I've been serving in church since 2002. I've been preaching since 2003. And I have gone through seasons where I have felt lukewarm. It can happen. It can happen. Because this world has a way of always trying to pull you from the presence of God. You can be sitting in church and not connected to God. That's what lukewarm feels like. And man, is that a dangerous place. What does the Bible say about being lukewarm? I'm so glad y'all sang that song, First Love, this morning. You have no idea. Because in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, it goes through the seven churches. And one of the churches is called the Church of Laodicea. Which, unfortunately, that's the American church. It's the American church. If you, if you read it and you study it enough, you'll realize everything this chapter is describing about the church of Laodicea is the American church. What is it? it says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. How would you like that description about your life? I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you. To buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. See, he's telling them, you think you have all this stuff, but you're empty. What you need is the gold that only comes from the presence of God. The fire 
that comes from the presence of God. The, the garments that only come from living a life of purity before God. We're naked. We're blind. We're not wealthy. We're not. We're poor. In verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. What? As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the beauty of Jesus. That he would look at the worst church. <laughs> that he would look at the Laodicean church. Who are not really on fire for God and who are not really serving the enemy. We're just kind of like there. We're comfortable because we have things. And we don't recognize our need for God because we have everything we need. We have houses, we have cars, we have clothes, we have buildings, we have screens, we have, we have everything we need. We're not hurting. We're good. We're comfortable. We're, 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 we're satisfied, we're settled, we're content. We're happy to just keep going the way we're going. And he looks at that and he says, lukewarm. I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you be all the way over here. Because at least you've chosen something. At least you've chosen who you're serving. I'd rather you be hot. At least I know that you're with me. At least I know you're serving me 100%. At least I know you're, you're in the kingdom, right? But this lukewarm stuff where we're just, you know, we're just here waiting for whatever happened so that we can say, oh, 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 that side's winning. Let's go over there. That's pretty much what it is. He's like, no, no, no. That kind of lifestyle, that kind of Christianity, vomit. Here's the beauty of Jesus, though. He looks at that church and he still says, I'm here. I'm knocking. I'm wait. I'm here. If you open the door, if you just open the door, I don't care what it, I don't care how cold you've been for how long, how lukewarm you've been for how long. I don't care what happened these past six months. I don't care what you've been dealing with, what you've been trying to hide. It doesn't matter. I'm still here. That's the beauty of Jesus. This. This is why even when Noah was building the ark for a hundred years, they're watching him build this boat. And he's like, hey, make sure you get on the boat. And they're just laughing. Until it started raining. You know, there was no way that Noah could close the door to that boat. You know who closed the door? The Bible says that God closed the door. Oh, man, he is waiting at the door. He is there, and he's like, get on the boat. What's the deal? Why do you stand? And then later you see Ezekiel. How long will you stand in the valley of decision? How long will you sit between two opinions, the Bible said? It's all through scripture. It's in every book. 
It's in every chapter. How long will you stand in the middle? You must choose this day who you will serve. You must choose what side you're on. This, this world has created this ideology that if you choose Jesus, you hate everyone. There are four things that need to happen before Christ returns, according to Scripture. Number one, they need to build a temple. Number two, the Antichrist has to appear and declare himself God. And then the weird thing has to happen. You ready for this one? This is a really weird one. But I'm, and I used to make fun of it, to be honest with you. But now it's like happening, and I'm like, oh. They need to find perfect red cows. Yes, it's funny, right? <laughs> and this is a thing. And I kid you not. I kid you not. You can go look this stuff up. They come from Texas. I'm not joking. Like, this is real. You go look at all this stuff through Scripture, and you find out that they are looking for perfect red cows. And when I say perfect, I mean they cannot have one dot of another color on their body. That's, that's pretty wild. And every generation has a, a couple cows that get sent to Israel for inspection. And it typically takes a couple years because, you know, animals change colors, right? And, and they're trying to make sure. And then eventually, sure enough, it fails. And they change, you know, a, a spot of white shows up or a spot of black. It's a really weird thing. But in the end, when they make sacrifice on the altar in the new temple, they have to do it with perfect red heifers and then they got to spread their ashes on a certain place it's all in there guess what they just sent to israel three months ago two red heifers from a texas cattle ranch and it's like oh god please let them change colors <laughs> can someone throw something on them please like what is happening really this is happening and so right now they're going through the vetting process I kid you not, there are rabbis with the weird twirls in the head and the hat and all that standing over there day and night watching to see if they change colors. I promise you, go look it up. It's wild. That's the third thing that needs to happen. They need to find perfect red heifers. You know what the fourth thing that needs to happen? And honestly, the most important, the whole world needs to hear the gospel preached. That's what Jesus said. He said, the whole world will hear, and then the end will come. You want to know the most important thing about all of this? Because to be honest with you, we have no control when the temple is going to be built. We have no control when the Antichrist is going to decide to sit himself there. And we have no control on who finds a heifer wherever. I just want to make Baba Koa. I don't care. But we do have control over what we say, over how we live. We do have control if people hear the gospel. We do have control over that. That's our part. That's our job. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. There are still people in the world who do not know anything about Jesus. How is that possible, Matt? Take a look around. Do you know that 2% of Gen Z is in church right now in America? 2%. Think about that. You don't think they need to hear? Oh, they need to hear. America, new mission field, new mission field. America is the new mission field, not Asia. There are more Christians in Asia than there are in America now. Guarantee that. Guarantee that. There are hundreds of millions of Christians in Asia that actually believe in Jesus and would die for preaching the gospel. There are hundreds of millions of people total in America and only 20% are actually following Jesus. There are way more Christians serving the Lord in other nations than there are in our own country. We are the new mission field.
You want to see more? No? Okay. The 49ers fans are going, yeah, no problem. The Cowboys, people are going, almost there, Matt. What does it look like today to be lukewarm or apostate? What does it look like? Well, let me share something with you. Have you ever heard of the term Chrislam? Raise up your hand if you've heard this term before. Not a single person. Okay. Chrislam is the blending, the syncretism of three faiths. Judaism, which is what Jewish people follow. They don't believe in Jesus. Islam, which is what most Arabs follow, but now it's becoming more popular, even in America, and especially in England. So many English people are becoming Islam, uh, Muslim now, who don't believe in Jesus. And Christianity. Represented in the form of the Catholic Church. Not Christianity that we kind of follow, but the Christianity, the the term Christianity that is represented through the Catholic Church, which, just going to be real with you, Christianity and Catholics are really not the same thing. Okay? They're really not. If you really break down, like, what they believe, what their core doctrines are, pretty opposite of what we follow, what we believe. Okay? Some of the main, now, there's some beautiful people in the Catholic Church that love Jesus. All that's great. But from the top down, what's up here, the stuff is weird. It's just straight up weird. So you have this thing called Chrislam, which began like early 2000s, 2010. They started deciding, hey, we should really kind of Stop, quote-unquote, hating each other. Let's bring each other together. Let's try and, you know, have some dialogue. And so I'm not even joking. You can go check it out. I got links for you. The Pope sits down with rabbis and the imams of the Muslim faith. And they all get together and they create this idea called Chrislam. Are you ready? There is something being built right now called the Abrahamic Family House in none other than Abu Dhabi. I provided the link in the notes. Throw up that first picture. This is Pope Francis, our current Pope, meeting with the Imam of the head order of the Muslim faith. Next picture. This was at the signing of agreements. This is the rendering of the images of the Abrahamic family house. And what you see here are three cubes to represent the three different faiths on the same land so that they can all come together and worship in their own way, in their own building, but on the same land to represent unity. Now, that looks interesting and all that. Next picture. This is it under construction. They've already started They're serious about this. This is what they want referring to. This is what their website says. And the website that I'm referring to is the Vatican's website. It's in the links. It's the Vatican's website. Okay. This is called a cultural landmark. In the spirit of this document, the Abrahamic Family House Complex will welcome all visitors wishing to worship, learn, and engage in dialogue. In addition, it will offer a variety of daily programs and activities and will host international conferences and world summits that feature harmonious coexistence within communities as a place for learning, dialogue, and worship. The HCHF said the Abrahamic Family House will be a cultural landmark and an inspiring global symbol that epitomizes the shared values of harmonious coexistence and understanding among the three Abrahamic faiths of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The next thing you're going to see is this thing called One House. Go ahead and throw that next picture up. This is a rendering 
of the same thing. You have three separate buildings. This is in Germany. They're popping up all over the place. Chrislam is now kind of making its way to be a one-world religion, which is what we're promised in Scripture will happen. And there's a link for you from the Guardian's newspaper website. And it says this. It says, on the site of a church torn down by East Germany's communist rulers, <laughs> a, a church, a regular church was torn down. They're going to put in its place a new place of worship that will bring Christian, Jews, and Muslims under one roof. And it, had already, it has already been dubbed as Church Moskogog. Church, a mosque, synagogue. Church, mosque, I can't even say it. Church, synagogue. And there's a link for the houseofone.org. This is like their website, okay? I'm not just pulling from random sources. This is their websites. Why is this a problem? Why is this a big deal? Well, number one, Judaism rejects Jesus as the Messiah. 100%. Islam rejects Jesus as the Messiah. They both know he's real. They both knew he existed. In fact, if you go to any secular university, any historian will tell you Jesus was an actual living, walking being. There are too many records to refute it. Even people who don't believe know that's true. Because he actually walked the earth. What they stop at is his deity, his divinity, the fact that he died and rose again. They stop at the resurrection. They stop there. There's no way he could resurrect. And that's Judaism. They think he's real, but they really don't like his teachings because they're very anti-old way. They're very anti-old system. And they're holding on to their system. Islam rejects Jesus as the Messiah, but thinks he was a good teacher, and he was Satan's brother. Yeah, go look at Islam a little closer. Go look at these things a little closer. He's just Satan's brother. No big deal. The Catholic Church is somehow mingling this together, which only leads me to conclude one thing. Because it is impossible for me to understand how you can co-worship with two religions that hate the deity of Jesus Christ without you yourself rejecting the deity of Jesus Christ. This is why it's problematic that Catholics pray to so many different other beings because they could simply just replace one for the other. See, Theodore's agreeing with me. He said, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. This is not a dog on Catholic people. Because, like I said, there's a lot of beautiful people in the Catholic Church. But unfortunately, the leadership is steering the entire organization into this dark, dark pattern. And unfortunately... This is a part of the apostasy. This is a part of the great falling away. And we're watching it happen. We're watching it happen. Why do you see so many preachers and singers that once were following Jesus falling away, questioning their faith? Because that's the time we're in. And everyone has a choice to make. Gilbert, can you play? He's been waiting back there patiently. To the slaughterhouse. Um, how can we... <laughs> Can you make sure he's unmuted, please? 
two buttons. How do we play our part? How can we make sure the whole world hears? Because that's our job. If there's one thing for certain in all this, our job is to spread the message of Jesus Christ to the whole world. How can we make sure that the whole world hears? Well, I want you to stand for this. Let's stand for this. I'm closing, I promise. We must be willing to reach out to those around us and pull them in like their life depends on it because it does. We must be willing to reach out to every young person we see and pull them in as if their future depended on it because it does. We must be willing to not let devices and games and shows raise our children. We have to be willing to sit there and pour in to our children every chance we get because those are the ones God gave us to steward over. We must teach them to pray. We must teach them to worship. We must teach them to preach the word. We must be willing to commit to not being silent about our faith everywhere we go. No one should be scared about sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, you don't have to condemn anyone. You simply pull them in and talk about how the love of Jesus Christ changed you. Because I guarantee you, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to ask you, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? See, they're going to open up because they are hit with the love of Jesus first. What does the Bible say about repentance? He said, it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. No one should be scared about sharing the love of Jesus. We must be willing as the church to repent of our own spiritual complacency. If you're sitting here this morning and we're, we're talking about the Laodicean church, we're talking about being lukewarm. If that was you, you must be willing to repent of your own spiritual complacency. We must be willing to repent of any sin in our life, any secrets and anything we're trying to hide, anything we're trying to hold on to, anything we're not willing to let go of, things from our past, things that we grew up doing, things that we were taught to do that we know we shouldn't do anymore. We must be willing to let go and repent. How does all this connect with Noah? <laughs> because while they were building the ark for a hundred years, he is standing there telling them to repent and they refused. Do you want to be a lukewarm church? Do you want to be a lukewarm church? Do you want to be a lukewarm Christian? Do you want to be an apostate church? An apostate Christian just falls away because your faith got a little rattled. Your faith got a little shaken. No. How do we, how do we pull ourselves out of that situation? Simply by repenting and letting the Lord put us where he wants us. We gotta lay down our pride. If you got a heart of pride in here this morning, I'm here to tell you, man, that is the worst thing you can have because you will never admit how much you need God. You need God desperately. You need his presence all the time, not just Sunday morning during the worship session. You need God at all times. 
It's time to repent. It's time to turn and begin serving God with your whole life. It's time to lay down everything that gets in the way of that. You want to know what the first words of Jesus's ministry was in Matthew chapter four? The very first thing, he comes out of the wilderness. He defeats the devil. He says, get out of my way. You don't even know what you're talking about. He got baptized. He, he got shown before the world who he was. God said, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. He goes in the wilderness. He's fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He yells at the devil. The devil leaves. He gets ministered to by angels. He comes out of the wilderness. And the first words he says in his ministry is, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's the very first thing he says. The very first message he ever preached. The very first sermon he ever gave was repent. Somehow that's become a bad word. Why? Why? You know why? Because it forces us to choose. It forces us to choose. And I'm here to tell you this morning to choose him. Choose him. Don't run from him or you'll be running the rest of your life. You may not have all your problems solved, but you will find a home in his presence. You will find peace in the middle of that storm in his presence. It's time to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Father, I pray for every person here this morning every heart, every mind. I pray for our eyes to be opened. I pray for our ears to be opened in Jesus' name. I pray for clarity in Jesus' name. I pray for peace in Jesus' name. here this morning and you don't want to be the same way you've been you don't want to be in the middle you don't want to be lukewarm you you recognize man I I've been living there too long I'm ready to choose to serve Jesus with my whole life just throw your hand up I see you I see you I see you I see you Lord, I pray this morning the fire of the Holy Spirit touch every person. Lord, we repent this morning of complacency. We repent this morning of unbelief. We repent this morning of fear of preaching your word. We repent this morning of not sharing who you are with everyone around us. We repent this morning of being afraid to live for you all the time. Lord, I pray right now that these that have chosen this morning to serve 100% will be the ones to reach out the most, would be the ones to share their faith the most, would be the ones to reach the most. Lord, I pray right now for a hunger and thirst for your presence to be upon them that everywhere they go, your love is shared everywhere they go. Hearts are transformed everywhere they go. People begin to hear your voice. Lord, I ask that you completely fill every single one of us with more of your presence. That we would be a church that is constantly in love with you. That we would not fall away but we would know who our first love is and you're still our first love you're still our first love you're still the reason we breathe you're still the reason we live you're still the reason we sing you're still the reason we preach you're still the reason we serve 
You're the reason we give of our time and our resources. It's not an institution. It's an intimate relationship and you're the reason. You're the reason. Thank you for that peace. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.